Good morning. I'm honored to be here with you today. Thank you for weathering the enemy's challenge. Um, Pastor Keith has an awesome message prepared for you today. Uh, run to win. And that's exactly what we're looking at right here, right now. By being here today, you've come prepared. Your training that you've been in has paid off because your level of faith has brought you here today to corporately gather, to be re-strengthened, to step out and shine that light bright throughout the week. So I applaud you for being here today. Our foundational scripture is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 27, and we're going to take a look at Paul telling us how to be victorious in our walk with the Lord and our witness to those lost souls that are out there. Running a good race means exactly that, that we are purposefully reaching out to those that don't know Christ, that we are walking the walk and not just talking the talk. Trust me, they're watching what we're doing way more than they're listening to what we're saying. When they see that you're walking it out, that's when they're going to be interested in what you have to say. But you need to be bold and ready to share that, but it starts with getting our house in order and walking it out so that we can, we can do that. So we're going to take a look at the, script, the foundational scripture. I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to take a closer look at each verse, and then we'll get into the breakdown of the lesson and the uh, points for today. So Paul says in verse 19, although I'm a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. I'm going to break this down as we go through each verse, and the reason I want to do that is we've got a limited amount of time and a, really a lot of material Pastor Keith has here, and it's, and it's powerful. All of it's purposeful. Uh, so what he's talking about here in this first scripture is, is how we serve, how we serve others. That's what he's talking about. How, does he, how is he a free man? Well, he's a free man because he's received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, right? And, and where, the, where the Lord is, it says, okay, first off, let me back up. Let's, let's establish something for a second. The Word tells us God is a spirit. We must worship Him in spirit and truth, right? And then it also tells us that the Lord, meaning Jesus Christ, is that spirit and those who are in Christ have liberty. So that freedom he's talking about is because of Christ being in him. And Christ in us gives us that freedom. So he's a free man, but yet he's serving others so that he can lead as many as possible to Christ. Verse 20 says, when, I with, when I'm with the Jews, I live like the Jews to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Verse 21 says, when I am with the Gentiles, I do, I do not follow the Jewish law. I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Now I read these two because really he, this is about the same thing. He's just talking about two different people groups that he's witnessing to. And so here's where we're talking about literally witnessing both in word and deed. The, the Jewish uh, folks, they were looking for a certain example. 
So if he didn't follow the laws, they immediately wasn't going to pay attention to what he had to say. The Gentiles, on the other hand, didn't follow those laws, so he was able to present himself differently. But he said he did not ignore the law, he went by the law of Christ, which we already know Jesus put more on us, really, right? I mean, he said, don't think of it this way. Like, for example, uh, you're, you're told uh, to not to commit adultery. But I tell you, if you lust after that woman, you've already committed it. So he, he, he raised the bar even higher. So Paul's telling us, hey, I'm still, I'm still living the way I'm supposed to. I'm not telling you that I'm just throwing it all out the window. But, but what he's doing right here, he's pointing out to us that by witnessing in word and deed... They'll be listening to us. So we got to start by uh, walking that walk first, and then they'll hear the word. And then so, uh, verse 22, he says, When I am with those that are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Now, right here in the scripture, he tells us how to get that done. He basically tells us how in the, in the two above that, with both the Jews and the Gentiles, and now uh, with this third group who is in suffering uh, and struggling, he, he gives us a clue how to do this. So, so the first thing we need to do is, first off, let me just mention this. Everybody in here, everybody in here, the Lord has a purpose for you. He created you in his image and his likeness. You have power within you if you have Christ within you. You have a testimony. I want to, I'm going to go ahead and throw this challenge out here right now. I want everybody in here, I want to challenge you over the course of the next couple weeks, and this is going to tie in later in the lesson, but I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out here now. I want to challenge you to do two things. I want you to, to write or get on your computer and type up two documents. And, you know, you can go as, as many pages as you feel you need. But what I want you to do is, one, I want you to type up your personal testimony. I want you to start... And, and, and back when you were a kid, because trust me, you're going to realize there's things that God did in your life that you never thought much about. You're going to, you're going to identify that you've been getting molded all your life. I want you to write that testimony all the way up to the current date. And I want you to, I want you to focus on that and those key things that the Lord's done in your life. I want you to thank Him for that as you're writing them up if you haven't given Him acknowledgement of it yet to date. Then I want you to write another one on basically your calling from God as you see it. I want you to list those, think of those encounters you've had, those God things that's happened. We know they're not coincidence, right? Everybody in here realizes it's not a coincidence. So those critical moments in your life, I want you to include those in this right. You can put them in both. But my point is, is I want you to focus on where you've been, because that's your testimony, and I want you to focus on those key things, which is also part of your testimony, but those are kind of like the, uh, you're being called out. That's, that's part of your calling. So I want you to do that, and the reason is, is because that's going to strengthen you. That's going to help you produce a plan that we're going to talk about here in a minute, and to prepare to operate in that plan, and to uh, pray over that. So I want to challenge you to do that, and, and, and even if you're not doing this, I want to challenge you to start journaling on a daily basis. That key thing that happened through the day, uh, and I got to get back on track with the lesson here, but, but the thing is, is what I want you to realize is if you'll capture that significant event that happened during your course of the day and, and write what it was, write how it affected you, write how you responded, how you wish you would have responded in case it wasn't positive, and, 
and then read back over that and pray over it. Because you'll be surprised how much that will give you an attitude adjustment, how much that will strengthen you depending on how you acted. It will let you realize what God has planned for you. So the key here is, in verse 22, is that he was listening to what they had to say. Our testimony does not start with us sharing our testimony, asking them a question other than, you know, maybe a question for an icebreaker. But what we need to do is listen, listen to what they're saying. And the reason is we can find and we will hear and identify the key that will open their heart, what's important to them, what they are struggling with. We'll find that key to open their heart. And guess what? I guarantee you, if the Lord's put them in front of you, part of your testimony applies to that pain, to that uh, that that part of their heart that you just opened up. You found the key to it. I guarantee you part of your testimony applies to that. You've already walked through it. You can share that with them. And that's what you do then. You jump in with that testimony boldly. So we listen so we can find the key to the heart. And then we share that part of our testimony. We don't have to share the whole testimony. We need to share that part that applies to that problem, to that pain, to provide help provide that solution, to strengthen them, to let them know, Hey, I couldn't do it either, but I finally asked Jesus to be my strength, and he carried me through it. So share that part of the testimony. So that's the key. And he said, so he tries to find common ground. So that's what he's talking about. He, he, he finds that common ground within his testimony to bring forth. Verse 23 says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in the blessing. So this basically, we're talking about a life of worship. Now, those of you that's been through the GROW track, you've already heard the explanation of the difference between praise and worship. If you haven't been there, I highly encourage you to go, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the plan and uh, all that here in a minute, and that needs to be part of your plan. It's very strengthening. But so, praise means we're giving thanks, right? Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a commitment. Worship is, on a daily basis, we are purposefully worshiping the Lord, serving the Lord, praising the Lord, we are walking it out. And so that's a commitment. And that's what he's talking about. He shares in that blessing, meaning that he is helping bless others. He's, you know, maybe it's the little thing of helping that co-worker who's struggling. You help carry their load because they're having a tough day. Not that you want to get in, them in a habit of relying on you to do their work for them, but you know what I'm saying. Share that that blessing of of being able to help. Verse 24, don't you realize that don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. So once again he's talking about, you know, uh, walking this out. Life is a race if you haven't realized it, okay? Because on earth our greatest resource is what? Time. It's limited. We even are told we don't know when Jesus is coming. So we ought to have a urgency in our heart to reach those that are in our pond of influence. We have loved ones. We have co-workers. We have friends. We have you know, family members. All these people that, are, that you touch in your life on a daily basis and even those that are out of your normal daily influence that are still within your pond, you're responsible as a believer, to be interceding for them, praying for them, reaching them. It's, it's, folks, it's not a choice. 
We were given the Great Commission. Everybody knows what that is. The Lord said, go forth and make disciples. Go to tell the whole world. Well, if you will just take care, if each of us will just take care of our pond of influence, guess what? We got it all covered. We got everybody covered, basically, if we take care of our pond of influence. Now, obviously, in another world, we, or another uh, country, we got to you know, do some mission work to reach those folks, and that's being done. But, but we need to uh, realize that it is a race, and time is limited, and that's what Paul's talking about. We got to be purposeful in this race. 25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. Uh, they do this to win a prize that will fade away, but we're in the race for the eternal prize. So what we're talking about is back when we talked a few months ago, or a month or so ago, uh, about building on that foundation of Jesus Christ. Uh, when we get in heaven, how much of what we build on top of that foundation is going to last, that we're going to get a reward for it, how much of it's just going to burn away. So right here, is, that's what we're talking about. We're building on that eternal prize. And every soul that you lead to Jesus, that is going to remain. <clears throat> so 26 and 27. So I run with a purpose every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So first off, he's saying that, you know, he's, he's planned out what he's going to do. He knows what he's going to do. So if you, when you sit uh, down and you write up your testimony and your calling and you recognize, okay, I'm I can see it clearly now, but it's right here in front of me. I recognize these things that the Lord's given me, the gifts He's given me. Your motivational gifts, for example. You know, we got motivational gifts. We got the office gifts of pastor and uh, uh, evangelism. And, uh, and then we have gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the gifts of motivation, motivational gifts, everybody has those. It's that thing that you enjoy doing, that you just, you love doing. You love sharing it with others. You love, so as you look through those gifts, that's your guide to probably where your calling is. But as you go through that, start being purposeful in your steps to, to reach that. You're not just, as he says, shadow boxing. You have a calling and you need to uh, take responsibility of that because you're going to be glorified in God when you do that. And when it says he, he disciplined his body like an athlete, well, we already know that that's a problem, right? The flesh is our problem, right? So we start um, by uh, getting right spiritually and trying to get closer to God to have that intimate relationship with the Lord. And then in doing so, um, we start getting our uh, we start getting our soul restored and our mind renewed, right? And so um, when that happens, our soul starts lining up with that spirit that uh, we're trying to walk in, uh, to walk in Christ. And once we get our soul and our spirit lined up, then we can get control of that flesh. We can control the body instead of it controlling us. And so, uh, so when we talk about uh, what it means uh, to run, to win... Paul's telling us uh, that uh, teaches us that uh, we're required to win people to Christ. That's what we're talking about. But he also gives us a formula to uh, win in our life, in our marriage, in our in our family, in our in our business, 
uh, in our uh, daily lives. And so this goes back to uh, what we were talking about as far as the uh, walking it out piece, right? So if I witness to somebody, but on a daily basis they see me struggling or maybe I've gotten overwhelmed with something that's going on at home, and I'm so... So, this is critical. Sometimes we're better off not saying something. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm trying to witness to somebody, even if I'm in a struggle, because I haven't gave it to the Lord yet, why would I air my dirty laundry in front of them? You know what I mean? Because I'm trying to be a witness, and yeah, I might be in a struggle. But I'm going to overcome that. But I could damage my testimony with what I say and how I conduct myself. So on a daily basis, now don't get me wrong, the first thing I really need to do is get control of it, right? But how do I do that? I can't do it. I have to turn it over to Jesus, right? Jesus be my strength. The Word says that, that He is strong in our weakness, right? And so, if, but what do we do? We tend to struggle with it for however long before we, oh, wait, I don't have to do this. Let me, let me give it to the Lord. And then we do that. You know, Jesus said uh, that we could wear his yoke, right? That, that the, his burden was light, his, his load was easy, that we could wear his yoke. You know, we always think of Jesus as a carpenter, right? I mean, that's kind of like a given. And somebody will say, well, you know, he made furniture, right? That's probably what he did. They didn't really frame houses so much back then. But, but you know what? I think what we're going to find out is he made these custom-fit yoke for the oxen that could pull a tremendous load, but it was so comfortable to the beast of burden that it, it effortlessly moved it right along. We're going to find that out. There wasn't, where did he come up with that phrase? Because he had some awesome yoke that he had hand-fashioned to fit the beast. You know? And so we can wear that yoke that's made just for us, to help us to be able to carry that load. So we, we start uh, by, uh, you know, recognizing that a win is winning people to Christ, and that formula that he shows us to win in life and our marriage and our family, he brings that forward. And so uh, if we run to win, that means what? That we're bringing people to Christ. But... Um, you know, it's not just uh, pursuing them because sometimes we can be a little overbearing, right? We want to attract them to us so that they will ask that question. Like, you know, if you are calm, cool, and collective in the middle of the chaos at work, for example, and they're watching like, you know, they're all stressed out and you're just calmly doing your thing. You're taking care. And now's a great time, right? Now's like the perfect time to shine your light. I mean, you, we actually have the upper hand. We have the advantage right now. We totally have the advantage right now. I mean, listen, we can be a little spark right now. There's a lot of darkness, right? We can be that little bitty spark. There's so much darkness right now. So... And guess what? When you recognize how bright you're shining in the middle of darkness, guess what? You're going to receive additional oxygen. Your light's going to get a little brighter, right? You're going to get empowered. So we want to 
get these people to pursue us, to draw them to us because of our actions, then they say, well, I don't get it. How, why are you so calm? This is a mess. And they say, well, you know, I've got peace in Jesus. What? what? Who, who's that? What are you talking about? You know, I've heard people talk about it, but I just figured, you know, that's, that's for the weak. That somebody needs a crutch. Well, I don't know. I'm thinking we're running a race, right? We ain't talking about no crutches here, right? So we want to attract them, uh, attract the people to Christ by the way that we walk. Winning people to Christ uh, goes hand in hand with our personal victory in our life, and it validates the authority of Christ in us. So if we are struggling with life, any aspect of life, it's not cliche, and y'all are here because you're believers. Our spiritual well-being is where we need to start. Because if we draw closer to the Lord, that, that mental and emotional peace will come automatically. So we have to purposefully make time to be with the Lord. Spend time with the Lord. If you don't have a quiet time already in play with the Lord, you need to find it. Because that's when you get your revelations. That's when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, hey, I know you've been struggling for, for this. You know, you're in there reading. You're digging in the Word. You're doing, your, you're doing what you need to do. You're reading the Word. You're looking for the answer to the problem. The, the issue is, is that the time frame you're doing it, if it's not a quiet time, one-on-one -on -one with the Lord, you can't hear that still small voice. You can, there's too many distractions. The enemy will use any distraction that they can. And let me just share something else with you. When you get this started working for you, and you do those, those write-ups, and you say, oh man, yeah, I'm closer than what I thought I was. I, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I've, I've already done this, this, and this. I'm, I'm on my way. And you recognize it, fair warning, you're going to come under attack. I mean, I have come under such spiritual warfare in the last two months because I'm in full gear implementing and walking out the plan that the Lord has for me so I can get on point with the mission that he has before me. And the devil doesn't like it. And he is after me. I mean, you know, he, he can't stand it. But guess what? That doesn't discourage me because you know why? That's confirmation. That's confirmation I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because he's upset. You know, we used to make that joke about, you know, you couldn't sit still because you had ants in your pants. He's got fire ants in his pants because he can't take it. All right? So don't let that even discourage you. Look at that as additional confirmation that you're tracking, that you're, you're doing what you need to do. So if we start by um, taking back our spiritual life, by getting in that devotion with the Lord. And it's, it's not a secret. You know, I mean, you've heard it said over and over again. Get in the Word. Get in prayer. Spend time with the Lord. Meditate over the Scripture. You know the tools. But we just tend to not use them. How about this one? I stand up here and talk to you about how to engage this and make it happen. And, and I'm, I've been guilty before, too. You sit here and you say, man, I wish so-and-so was here. They really need to hear this. Okay, now listen. There's two things. One, the things that are your pet peeves and the messages that you hear, that you say so-and-so should hear them, guess what? You're probably the one that needs it the most. 
I'm just saying. So, so take it, and don't take it as criticism. Take it as an opportunity. Listen, I'm going to tell you, and you'll hear this for any time I'm up here, you'll hear this from me over and over again. It's biblically correct, excuse me, to say trials and tribulations. I'm not receiving that. They are challenges that produce opportunities for victory, for your personal growth to conquer the enemy. So we start by getting our spiritual life in order. And then our emotional and our mental will follow right along. And as we get that right, and we continue to seek discernment and wisdom, next thing you know, our finances fall in line because we realize that that is just another tool the enemy keeps us under control with. And our job, you know, if you have trouble with somebody at work or your job, just remember the scripture that says we do not work for them. We work for the Lord. That's been my biggest motivator since 2010 where I'm at. You know, I go in with that attitude because the Lord revealed to me that that pond of influence that I have right there at work, I've got a mission field right where I'm at. We all do. So just keep that in mind. So for the next two weeks, we're going to dive deep into five principles they're going to give you the tools and the, the simple truths to accomplish this. And so the first truth that we need to take a look at is we need a plan. If we're going to be victorious and we're going to win, we have to have a plan to do that. So that's one reason why I challenge you to do those two write-ups. That'll help you figure out what kind of plan you need. Where are you supposed to be going? Because to get a plan, we have to what? We have to have a vision and we have to have a strategy to fulfill that vision. So uh, if we uh, have something to go by, and trust me, you're going to find so many nuggets in those write-ups. I mean, if you take time to do that, and you're going to get overwhelmed, trust me. Don't worry about being, you know, grammatically correct and spelling and all kinds of crazy stuff that will slow you down. When you start flowing... And it starts pouring out of you, just capture the thought, capture the testimony, capture the blessing, capture and receive it. Because you know what you're going to find? Is, and, you, and you can go, and the journaling is important because you go back and read it later and recognize things that's happened that you forgot about. It might have been a revelation you were given that you didn't implement. It might be a real solution to a problem that you didn't implement. It might be a blessing you forgot about. It may be a tool that you have disregarded that you needed to be able to lift this person up and lead them to Christ. So we're going to look at that. You need a, we're going to have, uh, look at how to uh, get that plan to win. We've got to have that vision and that strategy to have that victory. So we have to define what winning means. Well, Paul told us that winning the race was winning souls to Christ. That's what we should, we need to be purposeful about that. That's why we're here. Um, that and to have our own personal relationship with the Lord. So, uh, we have to know why we're fighting, right? And so, as we, as we, Witness and in verse 26, um, just to recap, you know, Paul said, uh, 
So I run with a purpose in each step. I'm not just shadow boxing. So if we have a plan and we, we have a vision and we develop that strategy to, to uh, fulfill that, we have to prepare, right? A plan is only so good, right? I mean, the plan could be awesome, but don't ever implement it. It doesn't do a lot for us, okay? We can talk all day about what we're going to do. It's what we do that matters. So as we prepare, then we can start thinking about, okay, well, how, you know, maybe what I thought and what I come up with in my plan, maybe I recognize, okay, well, I need to modify the plan a little bit because, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm preparing to do this and uh, maybe I'm not quite equipped, but I got a plan. So maybe this is a little further down the road that I need to do this, but uh, right now I can do this. Um, a good example is that um, if you haven't been, as a man, in this house, if you're not a member of the Band of Brothers, I highly encourage you to get involved. If you haven't been through uh, the, um, the, the, the man's class, uh, Quest, if you haven't been through Quest, I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, if you're a lady in this house, the uh, Elevated Women, I encourage you to get involved in that class because these are programs that are available to you now that will help you grow. And speaking of that, the Grow class, uh, the Connect class, the Grow classes. If you haven't been through those, they should be part of your plan because they are available right here in the house, free, huge, huge developmental growing programs to get you spiritually, help you to get spiritually where you need to be and to grow you in your thought process. And, and as well, um, the uh, ICM, uh, International College of Ministry, is a very, very affordable program if you're interested in working on a degree in counseling, in ministry, um, you, you just can't go wrong. And, 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 and trust me, you can do it. You just have to have the desire to do any of those and put them in your plan. They're available. They're, they, are, uh, they are available, and you just have to step out there and be purposeful about it. So we have to prepare. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare both spiritually, mentally, physically, relationally, financially. Paul said, this is discipline, training, preparation. Uh, this is the grunt work that we have to do uh, in private to be victorious in public. So I found it funny that the term grunt work was used here, being prior military. Because the grunts are the ground pounders, right? Ground units, grunt, kind of an acronym. But, but anyway, it's true. This goes back to what I was talking about earlier about the quiet time alone with the Lord. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, and I've got to be quick. I haven't got to share much personal testimony, so I'm going to share just a short one. In 2012, I had an encounter with the Lord. He called me off the sideline. I was riding the pine. I wasn't in the game. He called me into the game and challenged me to get to work. And... Right away, Holy Spirit, and I was digging in the Word, right? Because I've been, from my opinion, I'd squandered a lot of time. 
So I started digging in the Word. Because, by the way, during that encounter, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. His love showered me. I knew the answer to the problems in the world. It's Jesus' love. Sounds hokey. No, it's not. So I was digging in the Word, basically trying to make it for lost time, you might say. And I was digging, and I was digging, and Holy Spirit started waking me up at 3 in the morning, 3 a.m. And I wake up like a little kid before Christmas, like a million Christmases wrapped into one. I'd go in with great expectation. I was so excited. I was wired. Uh, I was just totally awake. And I'd dig in the Word, you know, until, until I had to get ready for work. And the next morning, I'd get up at 3 a.m. This went on for over eight months. Man, I was, he was pouring into me. And sometimes he let me sleep until five. Yeah, it was amazing. And I get up at five, and I was like, I don't have enough time. I need to get up three tomorrow. And uh, so this went on, and then the enemy tried to shut it down. And guess what? I allowed my flesh to do that because I'd wake up at three. I was like, oh, I'm so tired. It was, uh, I was so. One morning, I'm laying there in bed. He wakes me up at three o'clock. I look at the clock. I'm like, oh, already? I was like, Lord, I can have a relationship with you at 3 a.m. or 5 a.m. He said, and I heard this loud and clear now. He said, and I was wanting to go back to sleep. He said, you absolutely can. But do you want the 3 a.m. kind of relationship or do you want the 5 a.m. kind of relationship? Now, we're talking about the difference between an intimate, personal, empowering relationship. And it don't have to be at 3 a.m. That's your choice when you do it. But it needs to be quiet time. At 5 o'clock, Ellen, there's too many distractors. Dog outside barking, whatever, you know, I mean, anything. 3 a.m. is a good time for me. But you need to have that personal quiet time because it needs to be private where you can get in there and do that grunt work. So we have to walk it out. We have to be purposeful to engage in sharing the gospel. But in many cases, we don't know how to do that. We get nervous about it. So let me tell you this, because I got carried away and I got a lot of material to cover in about three minutes. Here's the thing. It's your personal testimony. Why should you be nervous about it? You lived it. You walked it out. You're the proof. They can't deny it. Don't get in a confrontation about scriptures. You're not going to win. If they want to argue about scriptures, guess what? They probably know the Bible pretty good. Don't even go there. Your personal testimony is where your power is. What does the word say? By the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Your word of your testimony is your proof, and the blood of the Lamb is how you made it happen, or how it, how it came, how, how you received it. So, so be bold in it. Listen, if you're not comfortable praying out loud in front of people, practice. Ask to say grace. If you're in a household of believers, challenge one another. Hey, will you say grace? Um, share it, you know. Share your day with one another. That's a small part of your testimony. Share it. Um, build each other up so that you become stronger in that. Get in your devotion so you got the Word in you. So the third truth is we need to pray. We have to pray because prayer changes us. It changes those around us. It prepares them to be able to receive what we're trying to share with them. It opens the doors of opportunity for victory. So we need to pray because we can't do it on our own, right? We absolutely can't do it on our own. We will struggle with some. I'm guilty of it. 
I'll get overwhelmed at work because we got all these deadlines and I'll be struggling and I'll be trying to carry the load and we're shorthanded so I'm trying to carry the load for six or so people and, and I'm trying to get it done and all of a sudden I just, I'm like, I'm wore out. And guess what? If you look for it, you'll notice there's an opportunity to pray and go to the Lord with it. It'll be there. You just got to recognize, like, you know, maybe I, I had to take the phone call. So the minute I hung up that phone, I had about 30 seconds of nothing. Guess where I should be? And that's where I go when I'm smart enough to do it. I may struggle. I, I went on, I've struggled as long as six months with something when we were under a big deployment deadline and killing myself uh, before I recognized I wouldn't, you know, I'll pray for the strength in the morning for us to get it done and to do it with kindness and respect and then ask forgiveness on the way to the car for not doing it with kindness and respect for six months. And then I recognize, okay, Lord, I give it to you. Boom. Have the best day in six months. Next time, I struggle for three months. Next time, I struggle for four weeks. Next time, I struggle for two weeks. Next time, I struggle for a week. As long as we have progress, right? We have to recognize that prayer and our worship, our lifestyle is worship. It needs to be. That's how we'll get our strength. That's how we will be able to witness because we can walk it out because we are spiritually where we need to be. We need to strive to be in unity in spirit with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pray to see the world through God's eyes, through Father God's eyes, to fill the world through the heart of Father, to love the world as Jesus does, and for Holy Spirit to be your voice in unity with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pray because that's how we are changed. That's how we have a renewing of our mind. That's how our soul is restored. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What's his name's sake? Christ. Christ. We are called to be, because we are the body of Christ, we are called to be Christ here on earth. That's why Jesus said that I am the light of the world. Then he said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then he said, you are the light of the world because Christ is in you. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that these words would impact the lives of not just those here, but all of those, Lord, that are in their pond of influence. I pray, Lord, for the strength, Lord, to shine that light in the middle of this darkness. I pray, Lord, for the protection of the blood of Christ upon each and every one here. Pray, Lord, that the enemy would be silenced. That those, Lord, that are bringing forth the lies would be muzzled. I pray, Lord, that we would glorify you and in this opportunity to shine, would shine brighter than ever. Pray, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation of your knowledge would enlighten the eyes of our understanding to the hope of each and every one of us is calling. Father, that we would be able to operate in your full glory and exceeding power to glorify you and advance the kingdom. We thank you for our calling.
for your protection, for our endless, countless blessings. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Son. Thank you, Jesus, for the way, truth, and life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us, teaching us, comforting us. We pray for even a more intimate relationship with you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.